Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Awesome. Why don't we stand together and we'll just say a little prayer. Father, we thank you, God, for your presence. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that teaches us and guides us into all truth. We ask that you'd speak to our hearts and change our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're starting, uh, not starting, but continuing our series on prayer. Uh, And today I want to talk to you about tenacious prayer. Say tenacious. Now, tenacious or tenacity is, is really being tending to keep a hold on something firmly, to cling and adhere to something very closely. And you know, how many know that, how many have kids here? Anyone have a child who's tenacious? There's a few hands. One of my children was very tenacious as a child. I can't tell you who it is. That's part of the rules. But I do have a, a child who and I, was very tenacious and very persistent in wanting something. And I remember uh, when my child was just two years of age, okay, and we have this video. My wife and I were sitting down, we're watching family videos, and, it, and I think it was Hannah's birthday or something was going on in the picture, right? The kids were all playing. And the focus was supposed to be on Hannah. And then uh, one of my sons, two years of age, now you're going to know who it is, but anyway, climbs up, on the, climbs up on the bedpost and looks out the window. And all you can hear is, backyard. And then for the whole video, we're watching 20 minutes of video footage, you could hear him walking around the back, two years of age, going, baby, backyard, baby, backyard. Baby, backyard, backyard, baby, backyard. And I'm watching the video. This is like, you know, almost 20 years later. We're sitting there, and I'm going, would someone please let that baby in the backyard? I'm trying to watch the video, and all I can hear is, baby, backyard, baby, backyard, baby, backyard. And it's going on. Tenacious, right? No one's experienced that? And I, there's, there's somebody in the Bible I like to, to read about. His name is Jacob. And Jacob was very tenacious, he was, I mean, he was going for it. And in the story of Jacob in Genesis chapter 32, uh, 9 to 30, and to summarize, here we find Jacob wrestling all night with an angel, some spiritual being he's fighting with, and, and it really gives us a picture of tenacious prayer, what it is to have tenacity in prayer life. And so here, here's Jacob wrestling with this angel, but, you know, before we go to that part of the story, let's look at the situation that leads up to this event in his life. His father, Isaac, and his mother, Rebecca, is pregnant. So Rebecca's pregnant, and she has two twins inside. She has, she has two children. She has twins inside of her womb. Now, I don't know if any of you ladies have had twins, but in this story here, she's, she's got... Carla's like, yeah, I know. But in this story, and I don't know if you can relate, but Rebecca's like... There's a war going on inside of me. These two babies are boxing it out, and she's walking down the street, and she's going, oh, what's going on? What's going on, right? There's a war going on inside of her, and she says, Lord, she inquires of the Lord. She says, God, what's going on with these babies? And the Lord says, there's two nations in your womb, and the older will serve the younger. Now, we understand that in Hebrew culture, the firstborn, everyone serves the firstborn. That's the, you know, the one that opens the womb, that first child gets the inheritance and everybody falls in line. But the Lord speaks and says the younger will serve the older, or the older will serve the younger. 
And baby number one comes out first. He's red and hairy, and he comes out, and they're like, oh, werewolf. No, they didn't say that. This baby comes out with all this hair. And we know that he's red, he's hairy. Baby number two comes out. He's hanging on to Esau's heel. He's coming out. He's like, no, 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 no. I want to be first. They're fighting to see who can be first. And, and Esau comes out. He has, or, or, or sorry, Jacob comes out and he has smooth skin. And so we have these two twins, but they're very different. Sometimes you can have twins and they're completely different. And so Esau, we understand, was a tough son. He was hairy. He liked to hunt. Probably watch renovation shows. He's a builder. He drove an F-150, had a shotgun in behind the, the seat, had a trailer with an ATV, and he would go out, and his, he was a daddy's boy. He loved, now Esau's awesome, he's going hunting, he's, you know, he's a, he's a guy's guy, all right? So everyone loves Esau. Um, looks like a guy from Duck Dynasty, or Ben, is Ben here? But Jacob, however, Jacob's different. Jacob's, Jacob's an indoor guy. He's a, a mama's boy. Um, he had smooth skin. He liked to cook. He liked to hang out in the kitchen. Probably watched soap operas with his mom. Uh, drove a Volkswagen Beetle, right? Had a Pinterest account. Okay, so this is, Jacob is completely different. He played Xbox till all wee hours of the uh, night, right? So this is who he was. And the Bible says Jacob was a wild man. He was, and, and the word uh, mild, not wild, mild, uh, actually means stable or solid. So he was stable. He was solid. Esau was always looking for instant gratification. He was just flying by the seat of his pants all the time. And one day when Jacob and Esau were teenagers, note the word teenagers, very important. Esau had been out hunting. He came in. He was really, really hungry. And Jacob had just finished cooking a pot of stew, had his nice flour apron on. He was just finished his stew. And Esau came in, and he said, I, I want some stew. And so, you know, Jacob being the, you know, the second born, says, I'm going to get something out of the deal. And I'm going to go for the goal. Because the word Jacob means grasper. He was always grabbing for the best in his own strength. He said, I, I tell you what, Esau, you give me the birthright which means that you're going to be the head of the family. If you had the birthright, you were, you were the head of the family and you got two-thirds of the inheritance when your parents died. That's a serious thing to give up. So I'm going to go for the gusto. I'm going to go for the big thing, and maybe I'll get an iPod out of the deal or something. You know, I don't know what he'll give me, but I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for the inheritance. I'm going to go for this thing. And so teenagers, how many teenagers are impulsive? Anyone been a teenager or have them? Okay. Instant gratification. And Esau goes, what use is a birthright to me if I starve to death? I haven't eaten in two hours. Okay? Like, think about it. So he gives up his birthright so that he can have something to eat in the moment. Okay? He says, if I die of this this afternoon, what good is it? You know, like, I need, I take the birthright. And he gives it up. Give me the suit. And um, so he, 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 he takes that. He's a grasper. He's a deceiver. Jacob, Jacob's in it for himself. So a few years pass by, and their dad, Isaac, is about to die. He's an old guy. Probably can't hear very well, can't see very well. And uh, Isaac prefers Esau to Jacob and wants to formally confer the blessing onto Esau. You know, and he says, Esau, I want you to go out and go hunting and take your wild game, and I want you to make a meal, stew for me and bring it in, and then I'll give you my blessing. I'll put my hands on you, and I'll put the blessing on you before I die. But mom prefers Jacob. 
Mom's saying, I think Jacob would be a better leader. And plus, the Lord has spoken to me and told me the older will serve the younger. So I have to help God out. How many know sometimes we have to help God out? Well, we think we do. And uh, so she says, we have a plan here. I'm going to put goat skins on Jacob's hand because, you know, remember, Esau was like a werewolf. He had all this fur on him. I don't know what he looked like, but he had a lot of hair on him. He must have had a lot because Jacob gets these skins with the fur still on it. And he goes into his dad, and his dad feels his hands and says, oh, it is Esau, but you have the voice of Jacob. Whatever. I'm going to give you the blessing. And he prays the blessing, and he gives Jacob the inheritance and prophesies that he's going to be, his brother's going to serve him, and he's going to have all the wealth and the riches and the blessings of Abraham are going to come upon him. And he walks out there, and he's got it. He deceived his father. He grabbed for what he wanted. And then Esau comes in and goes, hey, dad, I got my stew. And his dad like goes, what, what, hold on a second. Who are you? I just had my stew. He goes, no, I'm, I'm Esau. And he realized at that moment that his brother had deceived him, deceived his father. So Esau says, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to let my father pass away in peace. I'm going to let the mourning season pass, and then I'm going to kill Jacob. I am going to kill Jacob. Now, Jacob hears of this. He's scared. He gets in his Volkswagen Beetle, and he starts driving away. Because he knows his brother's got a shotgun in the back, and he's coming for him. Okay, I'm modernizing it a bit. I hope that's okay. So he's really upset. And he leaves, and he's terrified of his brother. And he, Jacob, as you know in the story, leaves for over 30 years. God blesses him. And he becomes prosperous under his uncle Laban. And he gets his two daughters, and he starts a family, and God prospers him. But the key is his name, Jacob, means grasper, one who grabs the heel of his brother. It can also mean deceiver. And this pretty much sums up the life of Jacob. He was deceiving and he was grasping all the time. He was tenacious, say tenacious. And so he's 30 years away from his brother. He's living the life. He's living the dream. He's got all this wealth. And then the Lord speaks to him in Genesis 31, verse 3. How many think I should start my own translation? Pretty good? The modern translation. And then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your father and your grandfather and to your relatives there, and I will be with you. He says, I will be with you. He promises that he'll be with him. But Jacob's wondering what his brother's going to do. And so he packs up his family and everything, and he leaves, and he's coming out to meet him. And he finds out, because he sends a messenger forward, that Esau got he heard that his brother was coming, so he was coming to meet him. And he said, your brother's coming to meet you. However, he's got 400 armed men with him, soldiers. They're coming to meet you. And Jacob's knees begin to have fellowship one with another. And he's terrified of his brother. And he, he doesn't know what to do. All right? Jacob's very rich, but he has no troops. And he's terrified because his past has caught up with him. And you know what? Your past will always catch up to you. And Genesis chapter 32, verse 1 to 12, it says, Jacob went his way, and the angels of God met him. How cool would that be? If God spoke to you and said, I want you to move to Belleville, and you're heading to Belleville, and you stop to get coffee, and there's two big angels. Hey, how you doing? I'm here to meet you. God sent me to encourage you. Look at my muscles, right? I'm big. Like the, the angels, powerful met him to encourage him. And look what he says here, okay? 
The angels of God met him. Then Jacob saw them. He said, God is in the camp. This is God's camp. And he called the name of the place Mahanam. And even when God sent angels, Jacob is shaking in fear of his brother. 30 years he's been hiding from his brothers, and suddenly he's going to meet his brother. And let's take it up in verse 3. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban, stayed there until now. I have oxen and donkeys and flocks and male and female servants, and I'm sending them all because I want to manipulate you to let me go. I'm going to pay for my freedom. Here, take all of this. And he's living in a state of fear. I want to find favor in your sight, he says. And so this is all sent forward to his brother. Verse 6. Then the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we've come to your brother Esau. He is also coming to meet you with 400 militia. He's coming with an army. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed and should be. And he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to one company and attacks it, then at least the other company will, will escape. So he divides his family. He says, okay, Esau might kill one and we'll just escape this way. So this guy is in torment because his past is about to catch up to him. And in this time, Jacob goes into a, a place of prayer. And it says in verse 9, Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family and I will deal well with you. He says, God, you remember you promised that you would treat me well, remember? You said it. You're going to take care of me. You were the one who told me to go home. And he's having this conversation with God. And he's holding the promises of God up to God. And then it says, verse 10, I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and all the truth in which you have shown your servant. For I crossed this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. I'm divided. And then verse 11, deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother of my children. And it says here, deliver me from my brother. And so he's crying out for deliverance. Say deliverance. Sometimes we need to cry out for deliverance. Verse 12. For you said, I, again, he's holding the word of God, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered. And God, right now I've got 12 kids. I know it's a lot, but I can still number them. So there's more coming, so please don't kill me yet. You know, keep your word. And he's coming before the Lord with these promises. Can you see this? He said, you promised you would treat me well and cause me to have lots of kids. But then in Genesis chapter 32, verse 22 to 24, it says, And he arose that night, took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, crossed over, sorry, he had 11 sons at the time, the fort of Jaboth, and he took them, sent them even the brook and sent over what he, they had. Then Jacob was left alone. Say, Jacob was left alone. Now, we're going to say it again, but I want you to put your name there. Travis was left alone. Say it together. There is a time when you need to be left alone with God. There's a time in prayer, and there's a type of prayer where you need to be alone with God, and you need to wrestle. 
and Jacob was alone with the Lord. And the Bible says he was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And I think, you know, going back and trying to imagine in those days, you had a little lantern with a light, and it's dark, and somebody jumps you from behind. Jacob squeals. He probably thinks it's his brother. He's probably thinking, my brother found me, or one of his soldiers. And he wrestles all night long. Isn't that crazy? He fights a guy all night long until the breaking of day all night long. And then Genesis 32, verse 25 says, Now when he saw, the angel saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Has anyone ever had a joint, something, something come out of joint? Okay. I've never experienced that. But the hip is the strongest joint. If that comes out, that's very painful. Okay? That, I mean, that doesn't happen easy. You have to be in a car accident or something. That's a big joint. And he, the, the, the Lord, we, this angel is the Lord, comes and touches his hip and pop, comes out of socket. Now, he's in excruciating pain, but he still won't let go. Tenacious. Baby back here. Baby back here. Baby back here. Baby back here. Put the baby in the backyard. Right? He's tenacious. He won't let go. And look what it says. Okay. Now, when the angel saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. Jacob's hip was out of joint. And he wrestled with him and he said, let me go for the day breaks. I've already dislocated your hip. What do I got to do? Dislocate your shoulder? Let go of me. And Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This is a tenacity that is phenomenal. A man who was always grasping for things in his own strength realized now I'm going to use that tenacity to go after God. I'm going to use that tenacity to go after the blessings of God, and I will not let go until I get my breakthrough. Isn't that awesome? And so the angel, as we know, is the Lord, if you read on. I don't have time to get into that. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, my name is Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with man, and you have prevailed. And Jacob asked, saying, what is your name, I pray? And he said, why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. And here's, here's what it says, okay? He basically, Jacob, had to recognize his nature and his weakness, that he was a grabber, that he was a deceiver. He had to confess it with his mouth and identify himself before he could be transformed. And that's the time in the secret place with God where you're real with God. You say, you know what? I got anger issues. And God, I need you. I need this broken in my life. And I'm going to pray until I don't lose my temper anymore. Uh, I have lust issues. You know, I have whatever it is, you, you have to r- realize where your struggle is and wrestle with God in the secret. Like, God, this is who I am. Because unless you can admit your faults, God can't remove them. Amen? And my name, Travis, means at the crossroads. Isn't that weird? Just the story behind that is we, we were with my parents and we were planning, we were in Oshawa, they were at my apartment. And they're like, what should we call the church when we start it? And I said, I don't know. And there was a letter sitting from one, when I was a youth pastor at the time, from one of the youth, and it said, to Pastor Travis, and then it said, at the crossroads. And my mom says, let's call it at the crossroads. I thought, well, I don't like it. Sounds more like a statement, but Mama's always right, so it's at the crossroads. And then we got a building. We were next door at the top, 
at the crossroads in Trenton. Isn't that cool? So here we are. Here we are. He's working. But he recognized his weakness, and that was a place that if we don't recognize our weakness, God will not transform us. And in spite of the weakness of his character, God commends him for the prevailing attitude. He is a fighter, and he's going to fight. And here's the key. If we ask things of God casually with little effort or focus on our minds, putting our minds in the Lord, we're saying that we don't value what we're praying for. And when we highly value something, we pursue it with our whole hearts. And sometimes when we pray, we have to have a bit of a wrestle to show God that we're serious. God wants to know that you're serious and you're willing to pray and you're willing to push through. Can I hear amen? You know, I love, uh, you know, we talk about waiting on God as if it's something that's passive, right? And I, I love the prophet Hosea. And he, he actually gives us this uh, this story about Jacob in, in Hosea chapter 12. Can I keep going? You guys all right? Okay. This is what Hosea says. The Lord also brings a charge against Judah. I will punish Jacob according to his ways. So God was not always pleased with the ways of Jacob. Like he was, he was causing some issues. He said, I will punish Jacob according to his ways. According to his deeds, he will be, I will recompense him. He took his brother by the heel in the womb, and in his strength, he struggled with God. He struggled with God. Yes, he struggled with the angel, and he prevailed. He wept and sought favor from him. He found him in the house of God. That's what Bethel means. And there he spoke to us, that is, the Lord God of hosts. The Lord is his memorable name. So you, by the help of your God, return, observe mercy and justice, and wait on your God continually. Let's say that together. Wait on your God continually. And you know what? Waiting isn't passive. It's like, you know, you know, I know because sometimes I've been late picking up my kids, and it's not passive. They're like, where is he? He'd be here a minute ago. It's two minutes, and they're walking up and down. They're looking, they're, they're looking for the arrival of their parents. You promised. It's not, they're not sitting there going, well, you know, they'll eventually show up. It's not passive. You're looking for God to show up. You're looking for things to change. You're pursuing God with fervency, right? You know, it's funny because um, here's a question. Um, how many blessings of God are unclaimed for you and for your family? Have you ever asked yourself that? How many blessings are unclaimed? Jacob went before the Lord and says, Lord, you promised. And he grabbed a hold of that blessing, and he grabbed a hold of that promise. You know, did you know that consumers in, in, in Canada uh, leave roughly $3 billion unclaimed in gift cards each year? $3 billion never get claimed. And actually, the statistics actually say 10 to 19% of gift cards balances remain unredeemed, so they're not all spent. 6% of gift cards are not even used. And I know Camilla, I, she loves uh, the gift cards to the massage places because she's Swedish. So I, if I buy her a gift card to a massage place, I've scored. I, I have done well. So one day I open her drawer, and she's got like six gift cards. And I'm like, I got you this one five years ago. Yeah, I haven't had time. I'll get around to it. And then she calls, and it's like, uh, sorry, that expired two years ago. Right? But she loves her gift cards. You just have to use them. You have to... You have to claim them, right? 
And so many Christians, we don't claim what's rightfully ours. We, we don't redeem what's rightfully ours. And sometimes to redeem what's rightfully yours, you have to fight for it. You have to fight in prayer until you get the breakthrough. Can I hear amen? Awesome. It is. But you see, God, God respects tenacious Christians. He likes the fight. You don't believe me? Well, let's see what Jesus said. Luke 18, 1 to 7. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should pray and never give up. Say, never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give us justice in this dispute with my enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while, but finally he confiscated her bank account and he, I'm just kidding. I had to go there, I'm sorry. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant request. And then the Lord says, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? So Jesus is saying, you have to be persistent in prayer. You have to wrestle in prayer sometimes to get your breakthrough. Luke chapter 11, verse 5 and 10. Then, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. And you said to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit. I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls you out from his bedroom. Don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. My family and I are in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Baby backyard. Baby backyard. Baby back. Okay, I'll put you in the backyard. Just please stop talking about me. And Jesus said, prayers like this sometimes. Right? Well, I don't like that. Well, take it up with Jesus. I didn't write it. Jesus is saying, learn this lesson. And I'm going to close with this thought. Martin Luther, who was the reformer who lived 500 years ago, this is what he said. He said, the story of Jacob wrestling with God gives us a picture of wrestling with a seemingly hostile God in prayer. What is he trying to say? I mean, God is clearly not someone who doesn't love us or care about justice. The cross shows us that he loves us. He's trying to say that praying often feels that God often appears hostile and indifferent and uncaring for, to us. Have you ever experienced this? If you say no, you're a liar. This is what, not what I'm saying. This is the way they preached 500 years ago. Okay? Why Luther said, is God like this? Listen, this is a gold principle. He does so, Luther says. He wrestles with us to see the strength of our faith in his goodness. Will we press through, Luther says, what looks like hostility, underneath that runs the river of God's goodness, and it runs underneath. Like a child, a child trying to push up against the hand of a parent, the parent gives only enough resistance to test the resolve of the child. So God resists us in prayer to see 
our resolve in his goodness. Are we willing to push through because we know he's good? We know he's just, he, he's just holding us back to see if we're desperate enough to pursue him. Luther pointed out the story of Jacob. He said, we should try to catch Christ in his own words. God, why aren't you doing this? You promised. God being distant or uncaring is just an illusion. So press through. Some answers are only given after a night of wrestling. So press through, he says. This is the God who went through the darkness of Gethsemane and the pain of Golgotha for you and me. Press through. Do you feel like like he doesn't care about your broken marriage, your unsaved husband, your wayward child, your lost friends? Well, then press through. If you push with persistence and get past the resistance, what you'll find is not indifference. What you'll find is benevolence and the eminence of God. Never doubt God's goodness. There is so much grace that flows off of his table that even if you have only the worthiness of a dog, there's enough for you. And that's what the Syrophoenician woman said. And Jesus said, that's the kind of faith that gets my attention. When you say, I don't care if my hip is dislocated. I don't care if everything's falling out. I'm not letting go until you bless me. And God loves tenacious prayer. So if you're a tenacious person, use it for good. Amen? Press through. Press through. The compassion of God is measured by the cross, and the power for your situation is measured, measured by His resurrection. And there's plenty of power available. Press through. Now, when I got saved at 19, 20 years of age, I recommitted my life to the Lord. God touched me. I remember the day I, I said, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. You know, and I remember it was like electricity hit me at the top of my head, went to my feet, and came back up. I could literally feel it. And when it lifted, the depression, the anxiety, and my mind was so damaged from, I believe, the drugs and the chemical drugs that I had done as a teenager that I couldn't keep my thoughts straight. My thoughts would wander everywhere. I was hearing voices, couldn't shut the voices off. And I was just a mess. But God healed me that day and put me in my right mind. Amen? So two years later, I find myself, I'm now in Bible school. God's called me to the ministry. And all of a sudden, all this mental torment comes back. And this time, I, I, I go for prayer. I go to this church. I have this pastor pray for me. I went to Benny Hinn, had Benny Hinn pray for me. I, went, I found whoever had the anointing was going to pray for me, and it never went away. And I said, God, either your word is true or it's not. And if I'm going to preach healing, I'm going to hold on to you until you heal me. And if you don't heal me, you're going to look bad because you called me to preach. And I'm going to get up and preach, and you'll look bad. I'm just being honest. I was really not upset with God, but just telling God how I felt, getting it off my chest. And what I did was every day I got up and I said, no, for God has not given me a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a well-disciplined mind. And I quoted that every day over and over again. Every day I got up and when I got depressed and when I felt my mind was, I was losing my thoughts and, and I was hearing voices and all this, I began to pray in tongues. I began to thank God and I held on and I wrestled with God every day for almost a year. I'd get up and say, God, I don't care. Your word says healing's available. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. And I'm going to do what you call me to do. And for one year, I did that. And one day, I got up and I said, for God has not given me a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a well-disciplined mind. And nothing changed. And the next morning, I woke up. And I was in my right mind. I could think clearly. I could read scripture and not forget what I just read. The voices stopped. 
because I was tenacious. I, I, I was saying, I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go to your blessing. Now, we don't always pray like that, but, but God is, that's a type of prayer. And it's between you and the Lord, and, and you need to press through. Don't give up. Don't give up. Amen? Hold on. Keep on praying. Keep on pushing. Keep on pressing in. And um, that's a part of my testimony now. Amen? Never struggle with it again. It was gone. I mean, it was a torment. Anyone who's, who's dealt with mental illness knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's torment. I'm here to tell you that Jesus can set you free. He can heal you. He can deliver you. Father, I thank you. Let's stand together. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for this word, God, that you're calling us to be tenacious. You're calling us to, to be persistent, to keep going after what we're going after, God. That sometimes it's like we're put, we seem like, it seems and it feels like we're pushing up against you, but it's only an illusion. You're looking to see how hungry we are to spend time and how much we believe in the goodness of God. Father, I thank you that you're healing marriages. You're bringing wayward children home, and you're changing lives. You're healing bodies. We're not letting go. We're going to be tenacious. That's where my son gets it from, by the way. I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Do you guys get anything out of that today? Amen. Spend some time alone with the Lord this week and just say, God, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm going to spend time with you. And sometimes it's just a little bit of wrestling. Sometimes it takes a while. But God will take you through it if you just be persistent with God. Be tenacious in your prayers. Amen? Okay, be blessed. And also, just before we go, I just feel to do this tonight, just because I know the live stream's still on, right? Still on. If you do not know the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, even if you're in this place and you've never given your heart to Christ, now is the time. I'm going to encourage you to do something because of this message. Get alone with God. Go home. Find a place where you're alone with God. Find a place where you're alone with God and, and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to cleanse me. I need you to forgive me. And he'll meet you in that place in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll be blessed, guys. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.